What's up guys? Welcome back to the Heartland Community College broadcast. My name is Michael. Today I'm joined by two co-hosts. Say hi guys. Hello, my name is Prudy. And my name is Corbin. How's it going today? Good, pretty good. It, there's a heat advisory today, so be careful when we're sunscreen. Yeah, I think I think the um, United States also just issued a global boiling. I just saw that on Instagram. So Dang. Yeah, hot days, man. Hot days, heat waves, and it's allergy season. I'm congested as heck right now, so recording a podcast will be fun. <laughs> uh, today on the show, we're going to be talking about homelessness, poverty, and hunger in Bloomington, Illinois. And to start, we have Crudy, who's going to tell us about poverty. Thank you, Michael. This is a story about Justin Larson. He had lived on and off the streets since he was nine years old. 30 years ago, he had nearly lived in a dozen states across the country. Now he was just trying to get his life back on track. Larson had left Florida to come to Illinois because his friends suggested him that he would get better, better medical treatment for his back and spine alignments. Those medical problems prevented him from working. So Florida, he could not afford health coverage, which was medical marijuana. In Illinois, we have recreational marijuana, and it's legal. So he made his trip here. Um, when he came to Bloomington, he was denied entry at Home Sweet Home um, because Home Sweet Home does not allow any marijuana because many of the residents are recovering addicts. Larson claimed, I came up here medically. I can't get that down in Florida because I would never come up here with $400 to pay for a medical card. Larson, after he was denied, camped outside next to the tent southeast of downtown Bloomington for a few months. And then one day, the police came and they gave him, they gave them 72 hours to leave. Bloomington homelessness, people can usually stay in shelters and temporary emergency housing. Um, usually the homeless men encampments, um, the only reason why they don't allow that is because on like busy intersection for cars, walkers, bikers, it kind of puts the issue in plain sight. So they try to get people uh, to go into shelters. And then uh, one of the chief executive officer at Home Sweet Home, uh, Matt Burgess, he said that they were people living in tents near the Constitution Trail, around six people. And the complaints that they were getting were that they were asking for money or trying to talk people nearby that were just like walking by. Um, and <clears throat> Matt also said, typically people in that circumstance would rank high on our waiting list. And that's just a testament on how busy we are and how long that list is. They're going to have to wait weeks to be able to come into the shelter. So they have had rough times to be able to come in and out of the shelter. And those lists are so long that they are not able to get in on time. And like days like this where there's a heat wave, it might be very difficult for them. Right, because they're stuck outside and they have to experience that weather instead of finding shelter. So... When you talked about the shelter and how their waiting list was backed up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what does that mean for someone who's trying to apply for shelter? Well, it basically means, like, people that would be high priority for them would definitely be someone, like, with kids, like a family that's, you know, out on the street. Um, if they have elderly people as well, that would probably rank higher on their list as well. Uh, many people that are lower on that list are 
young men because they are seen as strong. So Right. Now going back to what you said about Justin. So he came up to Illinois from Florida trying to find medical marijuana for his medical injuries, right? Mm-hmm. And then because of that, he was denied access to Home Sweet Home Ministries? Yes, because Home Sweet Home is one of the shelters that is um, very strict on substance abuse. They help uh, many of their residents recover from substance abuse. So not allowing it in the premises would be very beneficial for the residents as well. So they were probably just thinking about the residents, but I know that some shelters would not allow it because substance abuse is one of the um, causes or one of the results of homelessness, poverty, and hunger. Right. So then that kind of becomes like a catch-22 situation, right? Because on the one hand, you have people that are trying to stay away from certain substances like marijuana or alcohol, and they need shelter. But then if you shelter them and try and protect them from those substances, then people like Justin end up stranded on the street. Basically. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing about the homeless shelters, Crudy. Next, we have Corbin, who's going to tell us about food insecurity. Thank you very much, Michael, for introducing me. Yep, today I'll be talking about two different topics, um, food insecurity and food deserts. Um, I feel like this isn't talked, talked as much as it should be, and I'm, I'm going to spread some light on it. So, to begin, food insecurity refers to the lack of consistent access to enough food for an active, healthy life. It is a condition where individuals or households do not have adequate resources such as money or other means like transportation to obtain enough nutritious food consistently. Food food insecurity can manifest in different ways including a limited quantity of food where households may have reduced portions or insufficient nutritional needs. Next, inadequate nutritional quality meaning a lack of vitamins and minerals and then uncertain access to food in general. This may result from uncertain or insufficient income, limited access to transportation, or living in areas with limited grocery stores or food sources. Food insecurity affects individuals and communities worldwide, including developed and developing countries. It has short-term and long-term effects on health, educational outcomes, productivity, and overall quality of life. There are usually four levels to food insecurity. The first is high food insecurity, the second being moderate, the third is low, and finally the fourth is very low. These are based on how many food insecure conditions there are in a household, and these conditions may be the worry of running out of food, food not lasting, bad diets, not eating for a full day or days in a row, and even unintended weight loss. In our town of Bloomington, a significant portion of our residents struggle with consistent access to enough food to maintain an active, healthy lifestyle. According to Feeding America, which is the national food bank that tracks and analyzes data at both state and county levels, estimates that more than 15,910 residents experienced food insecurity during COVID. A lack of money and other resources, like a reliable vehicle, presents obstacles for many, particularly those who live in lower-income areas where full-service grocery stores are farther away. And this almost leads me directly to my next point, which is the term food desert. A food desert is typically an area, usually in urban or rural settings, where residents have limited access to affordable and nutritious food. These are communities where the availability of fresh, healthy food is scarce or non-existent, often due to a lack of grocery stores, farmers markets, or other sources of nutritious food within a reasonable distance. 
In food deserts, residents may face barriers to accessing healthy food options, which can contribute to higher rates of food insecurity and diet-related health problems. Some common characteristics of food deserts include limited retail options, distance and transportation, and high proximity to unhealthy foods. The U.S. Department of Agriculture publishes a map of every zip code in America showing neighborhoods that are food deserts. West Bloomington is on this map, designated by a small red square which connects areas where residents must travel 1 to 20 miles to get fresh food. However, what West Bloomington does have is access to a wide variety of fast food restaurants and convenience stores. Now, just speaking from experience, I don't know how often you guys visit the west side of Bloomington or go, you know, on West Market, but once you reach, I don't know, past downtown, it's basically just fast food stores, gas stations, and there's one, right now there's one grocery store on the west side of town. There used to be an Aldi's, which is unfortunately now replaced by a paint store. I'm not sure why they did that, but I don't, I just don't know if you guys had any, or if you guys were aware of that at all. Well, um, actually, I had a personal experience. My uh, mom's aunt and uncle lived on the, like, near West Market. Um, They worked at a hotel, so they kind of lived at the hotel as well. And um, whenever it would come to grocery time, it would take them at least 20 to 30 minutes to go to the Walmart down the street. And whenever winter rolls around, my parents usually have to be their transportation because they're elderly as well. So, like, having them walk in the cold uh, snow weather and with also cars coming down that way because it's kind of like a highway. Yeah. People are not going slow. So um, it was quite dangerous. So my parents definitely offered to be their transportation whenever they needed. So we have experienced it firsthand. Of course. Yep. Right. Now, Corbin. Has anyone tried to do anything about the food desert situation? Have they tried, like, building grocery stores? Of course, Michael. So, obviously, um, the west side of the food desert has been a long, it's been a long focus of concern for community leaders for the longest time. Um, in 2018, the West Market Street Council was formed with a goal of buying the former Fox Plaza west at Howard and West Market um, in attempts of bringing a grocery store there. Um, in 2020, um, almost... 200 people gathered here to celebrate the demolition of the buildings um, in hopes of, you know, this becoming the first steps towards the the area's transformation. However, here we are, um, July of 2023, the effort has stalled and its future remains uncertain. Progress was derailed by debt and legal issues associated with the property, as well as the death of its former owner. Thank you, Corbin, for telling us more about food insecurity in Bloomington. Now, for the last section of our show today, I had the pleasure of interviewing uh, Deborah Reese, who works at Home Sweet Home Ministries. Uh, I got to ask her more about what the situation is like working for a nonprofit, what homelessness kind of looks like in Bloomington Normal, uh, and she was very gracious and able to answer all of my questions very well. So the first question I asked Debbie is what it was like working for a nonprofit. She said, it's very fulfilling. Uh, and the Bloomington Normal community specifically is very generous. All Home Sweet Home Ministries has to do is ask uh, if there's something that they need and the community steps up to provide. Then I asked what kinds of people do they usually see applying for shelter. Uh, Debbie told me that all kinds of people come to us come to Home Sweet Home Ministries for shelter. It's amazing how quickly any of us could find ourselves experiencing homelessness. 
they serve men, women, and children. And the people who come to Home Sweet Home Ministries aren't like those depicted on TV as dirty and dingy. They're people like you and me. Some people have had medical issues and have lost their jobs due to that with the extra burden of high medical costs. And that's led them to Home Sweet Home Ministries because they can no longer pay their rent. Other people have broken up with a significant other that they were living with and now have no income for their own place. Others still have untreated mental wellness issues, which makes it hard for them to keep a job or to live alone. And other people struggle with addiction, making it hard to keep a job or live without some kind of support. The list of applicants goes on and on with many different circumstances. Uh, when I asked Deborah what was currently being done to help the homelessness in Bloomington Normal, she said, quote, Mental health resources are actually increasing, which is the great news. We have more psychiatrists willing to work with our clients and more counselors available. Both the Salvation Army Safe Harbor and Home Sweet Home Ministries keep busy taking people in for temporary shelter and providing food, shelter, case management, and safety. In the community, there are financial counseling classes, job coaching, clothing closets, food ops and pantries, and many more. And the last question I asked Debbie was how can the average local here in Bloomington Normal help with the situation? She said what Home Sweet Home desperately needs is more affordable housing in the area. The average person obviously can't just provide homes uh, for homeless people, but everyone can be an advocate to the town and the city governments to pay attention to the deep need that Bloomington Normal has for affordable housing. People can also donate to one of the shelters, volunteer, or donate products. Uh, we can also follow Home Sweet Home Ministries on Facebook to see what their urgent needs are and respond when possible. So I'm curious, Michael, what are what are some things that um, you know, people like you know, people like Crudy and I can do about this situation? Please tell me about that. Uh, well, one of the most important things that the average person can do here in Bloomington Normal is donate your time, money, and resources to the homeless shelters. There's Home Sweet Home Ministries, there's a shelter run by Salvation Army, and there's one or two others here in Bloomington Normal. The city donates a certain amount of money to them every year, but they are nonprofit organizations. They don't have any ways of making money themselves, meaning their only sources of income and resources is from us, the people here in Bloomington Normal that can help. They can also always use more volunteers um, and more staff to help run the shelters, just make sure everything is safe for the people that are sheltered there. I at least know that Salvation Army does need like volunteers for like food pantries and stuff like that because they do offer food um, for people that are out and right. struggling. They definitely need volunteers to help clean those diners and stuff like that. So volunteer options are always available. Um, if they don't have volunteer time, then definitely donate some money so they have some resources. Um, but that is definitely a few ways that you can help this issue in Bloomington. Right. Uh, I also learned just this past week that Home Sweet Home, you know, obviously they have a shelter, but even when that shelter is full, they still try and reach out and support people that they don't have room for. You know, uh, lots of homeless people will set up camps near the shelter, and Home Sweet Home does everything they can to bring food and resources to those people, even if they can't physically shelter them at the time. So another thing you can always do is bring uh, resources extra clothing, you know, non-perishable food to the shelter to help support them and build their resources up. Well, looking at the clock, uh, I think that's all the time we have for today. I want to thank my two co-hosts so much for coming out today and being on the show. 
Thank you so much for having us. Yep, thank you very much, Michael. Of course. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you go look on our podcast page, you'll find a link to a local wiki that can tell you more about homelessness here in the area, as well as poverty and hunger. And there will be some resources on that page if you want to reach out, look at volunteering opportunities and things like that. Thank you so much, and as always, have a pleasant day. <laughs>